You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Friday, January 6th. I'm Erin Fulton with Raven News. The National Climate Assessment is a chance for researchers across the United States to share local impacts of global climate change with Congress and with the rest of the nation. The fifth edition of the assessment is set to come out late 2023. Authors of the Alaska chapter are now asking citizens to share what climate change means to them during the assessment's public comment period. KTOO's Anna Canny has more. Just over a year ago, a series of snow and rainstorms in Fairbanks caused power outages, damaged homes, and disrupted emergency services. Alyssa Quintine remembers it as Snowmageddon. I was taking pictures of my house because I had like six feet of ice that had you know, stocked up and I had a tree that had fallen and frozen on my roof. Quintine is a community organizer for the Alaska Center and a co-author on the upcoming National Climate Assessment. She says that extreme weather in Fairbanks is just one of the climate impacts featured in the assessment's Alaska chapter. So it's like we're trying to represent like the impacts that are happening to residents in real time. Across the state, heavier rains, changing snowfall, warming waters and ocean acidification are causing profound changes to the environment. Now Alaskans can tell the nation what those changes mean for them. Until January 27th, Quintine and other authors are asking the public to review their draft of the new National Climate Assessment. The climate assessment is mandated by Congress. It pulls together diverse experts to give an update on climate change impacts across different regions of the U.S. It's an opportunity for us regular, regular people to um, essentially tell the story of what is happening in our own state, to other states, and to Congress. So it's a pretty big deal. The assessment doesn't mandate any specific action, but Quintine says it will provide direction for lawmakers, researchers, and local organizers as the climate continues to change. The Alaska chapter's lead author, Henry Huntington, with the Ocean Conservancy, says this edition of the report focuses more on humans than ever before. Our charge, our assignment has been uh, altered a bit, which is to focus more on the society side. Now, what does this mean for for people, what does this mean for people around Alaska, rather than, you know, getting into the details of the, the biophysical system and, and so on. In southeast Alaska, the changing climate has impacted subsistence farming, fisheries, snow and rainfall, and invasive species. But this assessment goes beyond the natural environment to discuss COVID-19, housing discrimination, healthcare, crisis response, and even internet access. Huntington hopes that the assessment will show how the changing environment could make existing social vulnerability and inequity worse. So it's that idea that climate change is happening within the broader social context that's already there and is going to add more stresses to to what we're already experiencing. Quintine hopes that the comments submitted this month will help the climate assessment to be the most useful resource it can be for all who read it. We're doing it for education. We're doing it for awareness, but we're also doing it for empowerment so people can make the best informed decisions moving forward, whether they be someone like me, whether they be the president, whether they be a fisher out, you know, on the Yukon. Alaskans who wish to review the draft and submit their comment can do so online. All comments are due by January 27th. In Juneau, I'm Anna Canny. The commercial fishing industry in the Bering Sea is weathering some devastating storms with the recent snow and king crab closures. Increased costs for fuel, parts, and labor are also forcing some fishermen to tighten their belts and even consider other career paths. So when a group of Bering Sea fishermen recently heard they'd be getting paid less than they hoped for cod this season, they decided to do something about it. KUCB's Maggie Nelson has more from an Alaska. 
The heyday of Alaska's crab fisheries is a long cry away. After two years of king crab closures, the Alaska Department of Fish and Game also announced it would be closing Bering Sea snow crab for the 2022 season as well. The estimated economic loss to the fleet for both closures is nearly $290 million. It's the bread and butter for most of the fleet. They fish for other species when they're not crabbing, like cod, as a sort of bonus. But this year, things are different. Without king or snow crab, a lot of boats are relying on other work, like fishing for cod, small amounts of tanner crab, and some are tendering gigs just to get by. Chris Studeman is the captain and co-owner of the 104-foot fishing boat Kevlin K. When he caught wind that Trident had posted a devastatingly low price for cod, he started to worry. The season, with the price that they came out with, it, it wasn't even uh, affordable for us to operate. Studeman hopped on social media and struck up a conversation with some other cod fishermen. He says he didn't go in planning anything specific. He just wanted to gather some fishermen and talk. But soon they organized. They decided they wanted a better idea of what most of the canneries would offer them for their catch before they started dropping any gear. We never really put a, a name or a label on it. We were just trying to make sure we got the a price to come out before we all went fishing. You know, and 40 cents wasn't, wasn't going to work. 40 cents was what they heard Trident would pay for cod. By the start of the season on January 1st, they hadn't received word from other processors on prices. That's not unusual. Fishermen often head out to catch cod before they know for sure how much they'll be making per pound. Studeman, who's been fishing in the Aleutians for about two decades, says that's just kind of how it goes. I mean, the cannery kind of has always held all the power because they put out a price and everybody goes fishing. And, and you know, the only way we can stop that is to get get together as a group, as a whole. This new year, they gave that a try. Studeman and about 25 other boats decided to hold out and not fish. Because we're able to get the, the small boats and the big boats both to, you know, be on the same page. I, I hope in the future that, you know, we can get organized the first week of December and then be talking with the processors before we even attempt to come up. And hopefully we can have a price that everybody can agree on before we even leave our homes. The boats stood down for just about three days. By January 4th, they'd gotten word from most processors on prices. Ultimately, Studeman says they posted a price of about 45 cents per pound across the board. That's less than last year, but in the current climate, the five cent jump makes a difference. Pretty much all the crab fisheries that we've been fishing for with this boat are, are gone. We don't have a lot left on the table. We got codfish and uh, some bear dye to go catch this year and then salmon tendering, so... Um, everything's pretty tight for all of us. A lot affects the price for cod. Tom Enlow is the president and CEO of Unice, a fish and crab processing plant in Unalaska. He says the price of labor for an entry-level processor has gone up 14% since last year. The market's not the same as it was a year ago. And so if we paid the fishermen the price we paid a year ago, we were going to lose money. And then, you know, that's not why we're in business. Enlo says he gets it, though. He'd probably do the same if he were in the harvester's shoes. And he says he's happy the company could come to an agreement with the fishermen. It's just a little bit of us revisiting our calculations and making sure that we can pay the, the harvesters what, what they would like to get paid and uh, still make money. Unice is offering 46 cents per pound. And like most other processors, they offer volume incentives to their harvesters. So as the fishermen deliver more product, the price they get for that fish goes up. As for the harvest amounts, boats larger than 60 feet have about 5,000 metric tons of cod to catch this season. 
and smaller boats have about half that. Those numbers have been on a downward trend for the past several years. Reporting for KUCB, I'm Maggie Nelson. The Juneau Assembly is considering offering sign-on bonuses and enhancing retirement benefits to attract and retain more city workers. City Manager Rory Watt outlined three proposals at an Assembly Finance Committee meeting on Wednesday night. The first is to offer sign-on bonuses for certain positions. He said those requiring technical skills have been especially hard to fill. Heavy equipment operators are hard to find right now. People with commercial uh, driver's licenses, bus drivers, um, IT workers, programmers. City leaders suggested that the city contribute to dependent care accounts, which employees can use to pay for child care. They also proposed matching retirement contributions made by Tier 4 employees. Under Alaska state law, those public employees get an individual retirement account rather than paying into a pension. Watts said it could motivate new city workers to stay for several years. We were trying to replicate that hook uh, that, that defined benefit employees have when they when they start to think about job changes and they think, oh, but if I stay a little bit longer, I'm incentivized. The state legislator created Tier 4 in 2005. Assemblymember Michelle Hale said it could be a local solution to a statewide problem. It has felt like uh, at the city level, like we've been in a trap of a former legislature's making. The Finance Committee agreed to move the proposals forward. City leaders will incorporate them into the proposed budget and present them to the full assembly. Taking a look at the community calendar. A reminder that due to a fire, the Moeller Field men's restroom is closed for repairs until further notice. Call the Sitka Public Works Department at 907-747-1804 with questions. Ocean Wave Quilters sponsors an open sewing session from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Saturday, January 7th at United Methodist Church. For more information, call Linda Swanson at 907-747-3471. Salty Spoke Bicycle Co-op holds open shop 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Saturdays next to Beak Restaurant. Bikers can work on their bikes and learn about the membership program and educational events. Traditional Irish music is at Beak Restaurant at 3 p.m. every Saturday. Any players of traditional instruments are welcome to join. I'm Erin Fulton, and this has been Raven News.